So this uh, afternoon, the title of the Dharma talk is uh, a question, and it is the question is what doesn't depend? But what doesn't depend on something else? Is there anything that doesn't depend on something else? Okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll respond to the question. I don't know if I'm able to answer it or not, but. So it's just another way of endeavoring to point out the fundamental nature of this reality that seems so ongoing and solid and fluctuating and up and down, right and wrong, back and forth. The eight worldly dharmas of success, failure, good and bad, you know them. <clears throat> and we're so caught by that based on the three poisons uh, and hope and fear just trapped by that we're drawn even the even the as it says in the sutras the slightest the slightest uh, devi deviation will fail to accord with a proper attunement which is just a relative way of saying there isn't anything but this if you think that there's something else but than this then you're caught up in dependent origination which is the truth that the buddha taught everything is pratitya samutpada dependently arisen but is there something that doesn't depend? So this uh, body, this uh, psychosomatic construct that we keep taking to be someone and so on, we keep eating, we just had food. And you could think about that a little further, take that uh, whole idea of food and go right down into that. It's like food, eating food. So this is actually food. It's food for an alligator, for sure. But it's also a food for worms. It's, it's just energy that gets uh, not so much trapped, but delayed on its passage from one form to the next. It just happens to show up as a human being. This universe is vast and beyond discovery. You can't discover something you already are but you can use the relative word. You can realize it. You can awaken to it. It can be done. You can do it. So what doesn't depend? Is there something that doesn't depend? Uh, probably not. But even that statement of negativity is, has uh, underlying, uh, resonates with some underlying understanding that we already have. This is called your uh, Buddha nature. You're, you're who you are before your parents' birth, before anything showed up, what this was, before anything appeared, what this was. And even the what is extra. <coughs> like W-H-A-T, what's happening at the temple. Isn't that? Oh, yeah. That's what Gilkido sends me at the morning. Anyway, what? And then she tells me a bunch of stuff. <laughs> So some teachings, some teachers talk about the seeking mind and, and, and seeing that and uh, the, the sage uh, Papaji of the last century said quite often in his talks would say, give up the search. Not easy to do that. Give up looking for something else. Something else. This is the second noble truth of the Buddha. We want things to be different than they are. However they are, we want something else. And rather than looking at what they are, we tend to switch over to some other aspect of uh, phenomenal, phenomenal, of phenomena, the manifestation of phenomena. 
in terms of things or thoughts or ideas or concepts or beliefs or opinions. So, so finding that has been said, and I'm not making this up, it's just repeating something, it's been said that actually finding this is no finding. That's why it's called a finding. Read the Diamond Sutra a hundred times. Read it 500 times. Memorize it. Or memorize the Sermon on the Mount. I don't do that. So it is, we have to find some way to use our relative uh, impr imprisonment to understand what those bars are, what that cage is about. We have to understand that cage. You can't just bust out of it using more uh, locks and keys. You can't, you can't leave something and you have to understand that you have never been in prison. Who you actually are, that which is not dependently arisen, can't be in prison because there isn't anything separate from it. There isn't anything separate from you. There isn't anything separate from me. There isn't anything separate. Consciousness, awareness, fundamental nature. The fundamental nature belongs to no one. If it belongs, then there's, then there's that polarity that immediately shows up, and then we have all the rest of the world showing up. Everything else comes into to being as passion, aggression, ignorance, hope, and fear, love and hate, war and peace. Go ahead. What is it that's, or is there anything that sees delusion? So a relative way of talking about it is uh, delusion sees delusion. There aren't, there aren't two things. So if you name something, then there isn't anything else. The awareness of that is not a separate from what it's aware of. It takes a while. It takes a while because we keep looking for what? Evidence. We keep looking for results. We keep looking for progress. This is progress. <laughs> More. Does delusion never stand still? Pardon me? Does delusion never stand still? Find out if it's moving. We impute movement, we impute stillness. So you're picking one, I'm picking the other. Pick, 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 pick. More? Yeah. Shut up. You brought up the teaching of give up the search. Can we give up the search and continue to practice? You could. I don't really use that. I just I'm quoting Papaji. And that's the way he talked to his intimate students. One of the ways. <clears throat> I, the way I would say is just see that you're searching. You don't have to do anything other than it's always a, a, from this point of view over here, which is hardly a point of view. But insofar as it is a point of view, I say just awareness. Just awareness. It's just situational. As long as there's a manifestation, it's situational until you see that that's actually untrue. And of course, that's the truth. That was easy, wasn't it? More questions? How can, how can we include our want for something else without abandoning it? Paraphrase. Does the search for something else arise spontaneously? So you might, it might be better to say it arises impulsively because we, we don't particularly care for what's, what is uh, immediately there because it is a, a combination of causes and conditions that we have not looked at all of the laminations, all the, the depth of that, the tributary streams flowing in the darkness. You can't see them, so we just, take, we just pick one out and we blame it, or we give it credit, or we try to join it. More? 
I didn't answer your question, so that's why I thought you might have something else. Okay. Jason. Um, having been asking you questions for a long time, they start to seem like the answer isn't necessarily something that's uh, tangible or maybe not even necessarily an answer. Um, so I'm wondering about when we're asking questions, how can we, or what is the motivation of not trying to find something to grasp onto? Serve, serve all beings, help others. It takes a while. As long as you think there's somebody else, then there's going to be this person. So the, uh, the questions could be uh, to benefit all beings. If you're, if you've received the vow of Bodhisattva vow to be with all things, save all beings, then you should function as all beings. When I say you should, maybe you shouldn't. More. Is the function of asking questions about receiving a right answer? No, I'm not sure I'm... I think it was a week or two ago we were talking about like dead-end questions. Yeah. It seems that anytime we ask a question, we're just looking for more relative reference points. Yes. And I'm wondering if there's something more to that interaction than just, I have a question and here's an answer. Mm-hmm. It could be. Or maybe not. How does something that can arise and fall away stand still? <clears throat> so relative statements about things uh, tend to magnetize uh, the hidden areas that want things to be different. Sometimes we think, well, we don't really want something else. This is okay. That's, an, that's another kind of uh, ignoring. It's actually taking any position at all. If you take any position at all, you just uh, this is the this is the fundamental nature of ignorance is to take a position. Just like if I look at this, I'm ignoring you. So, a simple metaphor. Go ahead. If we see how we take a position on something, is that actually taking a position on something? No, that's the path. Just keep that's just a footstep. It's like we titled the the noon book study footsteps because it's just footstep and another footstep and another footstep and it's relative truth until it's not at some point there aren't any even any feet go ahead does positionality require some kind of communication even if it's mental say more i'm wondering if there are positions that i've taken that i'm not even aware of Mm -hmm. but sometimes i i see a position arise within my mind and I, I observe it. So I'm wondering if there's a position that I've taken that I haven't seen. Probably. More than likely. But it's as I've said hundreds of times, it's it's never about correcting or fixing or getting better. Uh, you know, the Zogchen teachers talk about this as being the great perfection. What are they talking about? They're saying there isn't anything to face. It's already the case. Just stop covering it up. You could even say that the covering up is the great perfection. So it's about being aware of the cover-up, being aware of the position without without buying it, without rejecting it, or without turning away from it. Those are the three ways that we avoid the truth. And even the tu- truth is questionable if you get that high on the rainbow. I like that face. That's a good one. That's a good face. <laughs> 
Less beard. <laughs> Look very cute. <laughs> yes. With the uh, cover-ups, um, the great perfection as well. What's what purpose does realizing that serve? So to end suffering. We don't actually suffering doesn't as long as there's nerve endings, a bunch of them, and through all the sense fields, you're not going to end pain, but you can end the 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 suffering that keeps uh, comes out of constantly wanting something else. Yeah. How can we see that without wanting to end our suffering? So the without part of your question is is what needs to be seen. So you can't, I can't say do this, do that. I'm already telling you to do. I'm already inter interfering with your your samsaric life quite a bit by actually accepting you as a student. <laughs> you came to me, and I said, "Are you sure?" Then you came again. And you said, and I said, "Are you really sure about this?" And then you came again, and I, I think it was three or four times, five times, four. Which times? <laughs> I don't know. I think the the jukai was several times, and then the robe was several more times, and then finally I said, "Okay, go ahead." And you said, "But <laughs> is the ending of suffering not something else? That's not something else." There, there's no end to suffering. There's no beginning. There's no suffering. It's it's a, it's it's a powerful, powerful understanding that only you can have. Everyone in here can have this. It's the astonishing mystery of the whole thing that you can be separate and not separate at the same time. And of course, time and space are also not separate. So it gets very, very difficult to be somebody else. You're going to have to be yourself. That's not easy. I mean. Who wants to be me? I mean, I have to accept myself. No, you don't. Just don't fight with anything. Lose the war. Lose all of them. Or seems like in a relative sense that it's easy to latch onto what we think wanting something else is, and it's easy to default on thinking that needs to accept something. So, what what is being yourself? Uh, well, relatively speaking, it's being nobody. The Vidyatara Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche used the metaphor of a grain of sand. Or the other one I really like that some of you remember is uh, you're in a pot, you're a carrot, and you're in a pot of vegetables that's boiling. And the cook, which is, who knows who that is, probably you, is there with a potato masher. And you bob up, and, and, and I think he said something like, get back down in there, you're too yellow or too orange. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> nobody. You're nobody. You're not even your worst nightmares. Nobody. It's just nightmare. Nobody has the nightmare. Nobody has the, the suffering you're having, the pain you're having. No one's having it. It's just, just pain. Nothing extra. No praise, no blame, no, pr no, no picking, no choosing. 
no criticism, no, no criticism, no compliment, no nothing. It's all extra. It's all about substantiating, reifying, and validating some kind of a self who can do things right or some kind of self who can do things wrong. It's a misunderstanding. And the Mahayana path is not about attaining enlightenment. It is about saving all beings. That's what makes it different from the the Shravakayana, Pratyakabodhiyana. Yes, sir. What is the distinction between a Bodhisattva and a Buddha? There's no distinction. Can they be used synonymously? Depends on who's using it. I recommend that they're kept separate until you see what they are, especially as a teaching device. If you're talking to someone about it, then they could be separated. And it's funny because even on the, you get up to the higher boomies, it's, there's disagreement about which boomie is actually the Buddha. See, is it the 10th? And no, I think you got to go to the 11th to be an actual Buddha. It's just, you know, what do they call it? Splitting, splitting fur? Is that what it's called? Parting here, parting here. No. Come on, help me. Splitting hairs. Spreading carriages? Harris. Harris? Harris. Harris. Oh, rabbits. okay. Harris. So that means <laughs> Harris. No, rabbits. That's <laughs> bloody rabbits. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Don't hurt them. <laughs> Wait till they're dead. <laughs> That's not that funny. Dallas. I'm sorry. Don't laugh at death. <laughs> that would be a good title for a book of poems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Put it on the list. Good. <laughs> and you can write it. <laughs> Further questions? Yes. Cozan from Traverse City has a question. Yes. She asks, how can one stop covering up if the covering is dependently arisen? You don't. That's that's the, the key right there. You've just asked it in the question. It's not about stopping anything. You're saying, how, how does one stop if it's about, of course, it's dependently arisen, so get your ass out of there. Don't manifest as a manipulator of cause and effect. Trying to get to the good stuff, keep away the bad stuff. Knock it off. And when I say knock it off, sit down, hold still, don't do anything, except just receive. Be a good host. Whatever shows up, welcome. Whatever shows up, welcome. Whatever goes away, not even so much as an adios. It just goes away. And it comes back, comes, goes away. Yes. How is the host within the host? <clears throat> That's the uh, the one we were talking about. <laughs> What's the other one? <laughs> it's right next to it. <laughs> oh, I know what you're saying. It's turtles all the way down. That one. It's there's no difference between. <sighs> Monkey meditation and frog meditation, even though one is wiggling and one is holding still. Same. And it's not as obvious if I'm not jumping up and moving around and then coming back and sitting still. What is the um, monkey meditation and the frog meditation in my own mind? Extra. They're, they're additions. We use the concept. The conceptual situation, uh, because it's so seductive, because it looks, because it depends on relative plus and minus, up and down, black and black and white, uh, all of that, it depends on it, and the concepts themselves align themselves with all the variations in, uh, in phenomena that we, we tend to 
uh, trust that that there must be some truth at the end of the of the the tunnel or whatever. So it's it's about seeing it, seeing it deeply. And if you look this way, or if you look that way, if you if you adjust that all away from what's direct directly arising in, in your own mind in the world, if you if you move at all, as it says in the sutra, hair's hair's breadth of deviation. Don't don't budge, don't move. And if you do move, just observe the movement. Don't criticize the movement or congratulate the movement. Do nothing with it. Less is better. Sit down, hold still, just observe. That's the training. That's the training part to sharpen the blade. So a, a two-edge blade of prajna cuts through, cuts through this, and then cuts through that. Just a metaphor for uh, uh, transcendent wisdom or seeing stuff. Are, are we socialized into covering up our wisdom? Yes, the culture. It's, it's just a, an extremely, it's material materialism. It's scientific materialism. It's spiritual materialism, cultural materialism, materialism. You have to have some, you have to get something. It, it's, a, it's a merchandising situation all over the place. So the culture is all about that, about being, and it's not that people aren't being hurt by some activity and helped by others and harmed. I'm not saying that there isn't something going on there. As long as there's nerve endings and as long as there's people imputing that their nerve endings belong to them, then there's going to be difficulty. It's when, when one person realizes that they aren't seeing anything but themselves everywhere, <clears throat> then there, there's, then the idea of one attaining enlightenment for yourself is just ridiculous. You have to attain enlightenment for others. And how do you do that? Just receive what's coming. As, as Dogen said in the 13th century, if you, if you keep going out towards things you want, chasing things down and tracking things down and thinking this, thinking that, uh, this is a delusion. But when you, when you allow all the dharmas to come to you, uh, this is awakening. Because then there's, then there's no longer, even though we're in a relative world, the fundamental nature is seen to be uh, ultimate truth. Go ahead. So we have this new baby in our community now. We do. Well, is, she, is he here? Oh, he had to go out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> when he is here. When he is here, yes. So is there a way as a, a Sangha that we can um, uh, not enculturate him like we have been? <laughs> yeah, I think you're not meddle with him. Difficult to do that because we have so many ideas and forums, and and uh, um, we're so drenched in our own culture. Not too bad of a place to be born, Buddhist you know, monastery. So, are each of us born with a particular backpack of karma? Sure. And karma is neither true nor false. And there, you can't point to anything that is just that. And unless it is just that. But if there's just that and just that, then just this is not just that. So is it possible for Can us... you follow me? You were thinking while I was talking. I was. So what were you thinking about? Is it possible to see others' karma? When you see that it's not separate from yours. Yeah. So when you see that it's not separate from yours... What's to be done? Nothing. Don't do anything. 
something needs to be done, you won't be able to help it. But that will only arise if you're willing to just just be. Just you're just here. Then any motion that comes out of this particular uh, as I said before, psychosomatic uh, construction or machinery uh, will just will happen out of causes and conditions. It won't be interfering with anything. The inspiration will be uh, teaching, teachings of the Buddha. Everything is dependently arisen. There isn't anything but the Buddha. Everything is awake. Just under the covers of your karma, your idea, your concepts, your hope and fear. Andrew? You said awareness of that is not separate from what it's aware of. Can you say more about that? So initially the path quality is is we're aware of that or we're aware of this or we're aware of our of our jealousy and we we're watching that go or we're aware that that's kind of backing off or we're aware of all the relativities that are happening without interfering with them, without trying to correct. We're just a, a willing to, willingness to just be with whatever. If, if you're walking down the path and rocks appear, you don't argue with the rocks. If the weather changes, you don't argue with the weather. You don't blame, you don't credit, and no comment. And just footstep after footstep after footstep. It looks relative until it doesn't. And when it, when it doesn't, then uh, phenomena and space are no longer two separate things. The very space in which the thoughts appear and the thoughts themselves are not separate. Nothing is separate. The whole, the whole, uh, the whole idea of separation itself is uh, seen to be uh, illusion. There isn't anything but this, and, and even that is a relative statement. But it's meant to to encourage uh, people to train their minds to see fundamentally what is true. So when death comes without warning, you won't mind. I'm not saying you want to leave. That's the other way. But you you won't mind. You just understand that who you are uh, is unborn and unceasing. We actually are can't, actually are, can't be destroyed. The only things that, have, that come into existence can be taken out of existence. So it's just a mistaken identity, simply put. More? Dallas? Um, <clears throat> things of which that are alive do not have nerve endings or capacity to remember. Um, Again, please. I said things that are alive but don't have nerve endings or capacity to remember. Um, are they still capable of suffering? You mean like rocks? Things that are alive, so maybe like, like a plant? plants or yeah, like singular cells or something like that. Yes, yeah, so that can suffer. Is that plant? That plant, plant is suffering now. We chopped it off and stuck it in a uh, another thing that's alive on a different level. It's all, it's all a matter of levels. There isn't anything but consciousness. And it's showing up in... I mean, you know, try to count them more. Is the decision to... Wait, wait, what was that? <laughs> the flower made a decision? Oh, okay. Is the decision to have made that into an arrangement and cut short the life of flower um, unskillful karma? You can't help but kill. That's why the precepts set up there's only one life which is unkillable not to interrupt the mandala of the present moment there's no taking life precept but that doesn't mean you're in charge of everything 
That means that when you see someone else doing something, that doesn't mean you get to go in and say, you know, that you're breaking your precepts. You shouldn't be doing that. I have a word for that, but it's Sanskrit, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> so this is a, it's just, it's just relatively, it's a rel relative situation that we're in. So we, we use flowers, we or you know, we use flowers, we eat food. We, and something can eat us. We're food. This whole, everything here is made of food, what we ate. Just kind of, we kind of ignore that. That without food, this nerve endings wouldn't be here. So things are going to live and die and live and die. If you're alive, that means you kill things. Or you, you have to eat dead things. Or maybe you eat, meet them alive. There's the things you can eat that are alive. What are those things that people eat that are alive? Oysters. Yeah. How do you think they feel? Well, I'm glad they're not killing me. You can see right through your ears. <laughs> Those have little magnifying glasses in them? Yeah, they actually kind of. They are glass, so they do bend light. Huh. Well, yes. Uh, question from Mayun. Mayun. Brittany. She's up late. She is up late. From France, it's like midnight. Mm -hmm. She asks, when you say you have to attain enlightenment for others, there is an impulse, a subtle sense of seeking. Do the bodhisattva vows only make sense ultimately? No, the bodhisattva vows are, are relative teaching. Bodhisattva, that's why they have levels. I don't usually refer to the levels because it just adds more concepts, not that there's not something to it. But the first level, the first bhumi is mudita or joy. And that's the joy that, that arises when one sees there isn't anyone. There's still somebody else out there. The, the elseness is still going on, but there's no, there's no self in the skandhas. Form, feeling, perception, concept, and consciousness no longer, uh, they're not gone, but they don't, they don't hook up. Kian? When we ask a question and there's an answer, do the answers depend? Yeah. This is something I say, of course. <laughs> yes, there's always a dependent. We, we can't, we're going to get rid of dependent origination if it's, as long as there's some kind of a manifestation in this sense. So, so the answer is answer? Pardon me? The answer is answer? Just take an aspirin. It's a good question, actually. It's just, how would you like to answer? <laughs> I was looking to ask. Further questions? Sure. Is dependent origination dependent on something else? <laughs> well, the concept of dependent origination is, and we're, I mean, you're right in the, in the place where all that cooking is done. So yeah, there's there's some kind of something happening there. Seeing that things are dependently arisen is dependent for a while on the the witnessing of the polarity of things. And the witnessing that things are moving, coming and going and coming and going. The more you see the contrast and less the attribution of praise and blame or the attribution of good and bad, 
that stops you and that creates a self who doesn't like bad and likes good and creates the whole miasma whatever you want to call this or matrix of of uh, of, of apparent existence but it's just it's just a teaching device it's not it's not ultimately true it's not even relatively true if you look closely there's anything that's relatively true well, that wasn't so clear should be a question about that yes don't say what do you mean by that <laughs> does distinction arise from the belief in content i think it does yeah, i think it does we, we believe if something happens and we believe that that that's that just that way when really there's probably a lot of other variables that are happening behind that it's, it's happening all the time but all kinds of situations but just a, our situation our whole water heater situation so the tendency to assume things are happening behind the scenes somebody's not doing their job or somebody is doing their job or all of the different things that can arise there it's much easier to just make an assumption about something rather than let just let that be completely open remember how that was showing up yes go ahead what's the pain that arises from too much openness uh, it's the 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 uh, a threat that, that there's some kind of that who you think you are your imputation of a self is somehow threatened and that's just uh it's it's just uh it's like the natural uh, bodhicitta that is radiating out everywhere uh, and you're 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 taking it personally you think that you're going to be harmed but it's actually bodhicitta that's that's and the self-centeredness uh, that is uh, another aspect of consciousness that is highly sophisticated, just extremely introverted or ingrown, and trying to get the power around it to work on its behalf. It's called uh, greed. Can we lessen our fear to that openness? Yes, face the wall, hold still, watch what moves. Don't add, don't subtract, don't divide. Do no more math at all unless you're making food. then you should use a measuring device. Especially you. <laughs> and put the lid on. And put the lid on, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't leave the lid off the rice. It's not, not workable. That's actually wrong. <laughs> Further questions? Do I get some? Okay. Then, what was your question? <laughs> put the lid on. What do they say? Put a lid on it. My, my stepfather used to say that. Further questions? We have a couple minutes. Yes. The questions I asked earlier. Um, my friend Stephanie asked me a question. She says, is it... I was trying to give her an answer, I don't have an answer, um, and so I, I was wondering... Is she a meditator? Um, she's interested in it. Um, we talk about a lot. Um, Talking about meditation is quite not, a bit different. Yeah, it's not meditation. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Um, she uh, asked uh, me whether uh, to uh, essentially stem cell research, whether or not it's ethical or not in the views of uh, Buddhism. So I was wondering what you might have on a take on that. I'm not, I'm not following your question. Like stem cell research, whether it's ethical or unethical or oh, unethical? Yeah, or ethical. Because I mean, you could go and 
help someone, you know, have walk again, but you're killing a single cell in order to do that. I think it's so, I think what it, we need to really, uh, and from this area here, uh, needs to be about the awareness of it. And if, it, if the awareness is uh, a primary, then the relative situation will be more clear because you're going to hurt somebody. You can't you can't live in, a, in this kind of a world without there being some suffering, so we can't get rid of it. And so as far as ethical, unethical, the whole idea of ethics, uh, all it's meant to help and it's meant to serve, but quite often it's misunderstood as rules you should follow. No. From in this lineage anyway, uh, the, 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 the forms, the 16 precepts are to be observed. So this way, Anytime anything happens that brings up the understanding of a precept, we should look deeply into that to see what is happening there. It's, uh, the, the, uh, I don't know if it was Bonhoeffer, but some uh, philosopher coined the term situation ethics. And, uh, and it's about the situation will tell you what the proper ethics are for that. It will, it will tell you if you're aware of what's happening. You might, at one time, someone might need an abortion. And sometimes they probably should have the child, but it should be a, in that situation. It should be about the person who's the potential mother, not other, not people in distant places. And with stem cell research, I know that's another a very situational thing. It's it gets so complicated in that area that I, I don't think there's a you, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. I think we should be as aware. If I had something to say about it, I would say uh, if you're spending eight hours a day uh, doing stem, stem, stem cell research, you could start out with a couple of hours of just uh, awareness practice so that when you go in and work with that, the, the clarity around what you're doing is much more evident. Not to attain enlightenment particularly, but just be more clear about what, what you're doing. Sometimes that's painful. Sometimes the awareness, instead of creating, uh, as they sometimes talk about in mindfulness training, I'm more peaceful, I'm more relaxed, now that I practice mindfulness, everything is settled down, I'm less anxious. And from my understanding, having done this for a while, uh, when you do uh, awareness practice, uh, might not be such a good sign that you suddenly feel really good, really peaceful. You might have, you might be covering up with uh, a whole lot of uh, mindfulness rhetoric um, what you need to be looking at, which might be stem cell research that you're doing in the afternoons might be what you're actually doing, what you're actually doing when you disagree with somebody or agree with somebody, what's actually happening there deeply rather than just a surface uh, commentary. So awareness, not right and wrong. Right, right and wrong are just a very low level of thinking that, you know, societies that don't have uh, too much sophistication going on there. Even this society is not particularly sophisticated. What is awareness? Huh? What is awareness? So I have to, to make it into something, give it some kind of uh, substance. I would, it's, like, it's like the space in which things occur, uh, appear, occur. It's the, the, the space around the phenomena uh, until it's seen to be not separate from the phenomena. So it starts out as the sky and the clouds arising in the sky, and that's the way I talk about it, like talking about Shikantaza. So you start somewhere, and then at some point, uh, as we questioned earlier, at some point there's no separation between anything. Space, objects, me, you, this, that, the wall, the lights, spiders, bats, pink mice, little pink mice. <laughs>
there's no there's no separation. So we, we, you actually you can see that. And when I say see, see through all the sense fields, not just seeing, but feeling, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, everything understands deeply. At the same time, it's a deep understanding. It's just a tacit understanding. It's just like you just touched something. You just touched a red hot iron. And it's not an event. Awakening is not an event. Maybe eventful. Some people have times, there's in this Zen tradition that was recognized in the early on, and they called it Kensho. Not, not, uh, uh, Satori or Samadhi, ultimate Samadhi, or the Vajra-like Samadhi. The Vajra-like Samadhi is the adamantine or indestructible Samadhi, which means there isn't anything else to see. And it's not an experience. Experiences come, and then they go. Enlightenment, if it comes, it's going to go. Anyone who has awakened, uh, which, as far as I know, I've only met two people face-to-face. -face. I'm sure there are lots of others, but... Uh, Kobuchino Roshi and uh, Jogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, and I suspect the 17th Karmapa, uh, also the 16th Karmapa, possibly Dalai Lama. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. But anyone who uh, sees this and no longer is uh, separated, and, they, and if you meet them, they, they don't function as separated unless you're separated in front of them. And when you separate, they point to it, and they do it immediately. They don't think about it. And then when you listen, then then they their body is still there, but then they vanish from the point of view of any kind of teaching. <clears throat> no maintenance of a teacher. If there's a maintenance of a teacher, then this is a lower level of teaching called uh, PhD programs, which are necessary, of course. Further questions? Further yawns? <laughs> I bet I yawn more than you do, but I don't do it in public. <laughs> I didn't say that about you. No? Yeah. You can't, you can't tell where I'm looking? I think so. Oh. I was going to tell another joke or something, but it's not going to work because you will play along. <laughs> I might as well give up. Thank you so much. <laughs>